When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to another edition of the Nothing But an App State podcast. This is right up on game week. Game Adam. week? Yes. <laughs> so there's a lot to cover. Um, I don't know if we, we shouldn't even dawdle. Is that the right word? And just kind of get into it. Yeah, we can get into it. Uh, it's it's been a it's been an interesting day, Brett. Uh, we're recording this on a Sunday night. Uh, I wasn't. I actually had to rush myself to urgent care earlier today because I was out doing yard work, and uh, I think yard I, work and preseason injuries are not a good topic for App State football. <laughs> oh wow, that's that's a great point considering what we're, one of the topics we're going to be talking about in one of the big headlines from recently. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Um, I am still probable for week one but uh i i upset a nest of yellow jackets um and i uh, got stung like three times and i'm mildly allergic to them so um yeah i'm uh i think when we're done with this i'm gonna pound some benadryl and go to, <laughs> and go to bed but yeah let's uh let's let's jump on in man we got a lot to we got a lot to unpack here today well, yeah, I mean, the famous story that I'm referencing is an Armani Edwards injury that I feel yeah. like I've, I've heard John Welch tell his story and his role in some hospital transport. So whatever conspiracy theories are of the accuracy of that of the detail that John Welch had on them, some stories that I fully believe him and was an unfortunate thing. So I'm glad this has turned out well for you um, with lawnmower accidents and, and <laughs> things like that. I actually I thought I might go to the hospital last night 
this is this is a random that you had that experience i had a, a terrifying dream that involved a physical altercation where someone was trying to punch me must have tried to dodge the punch so hard that i literally fell out of bed onto our hardwood floor hit my head on our nightstand and like you know fell a couple feet landing on my back and stuff like that so I, I, had a, I had a rough night too man <laughs> Well, I hope, that, I hope that these are the only injuries that we're talking about for week one of the football season. <laughs> yeah, if we have our media depth chart, I don't know if I guess we're probable, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're a little banged hey, up. Yeah. Hey, speaking of depth chart, Brett, let's let why don't we do some depth chart talk here? Yes, as we there's a lot there's a lot to uncover. You and you've uh, I I think we're we're pretty solid in terms of what we think is going to be the first and second guys out at various positions. Um, so why don't we dive into it? Yeah, I mean by the time this airs, I mean we're recording this on a Sunday night, and certainly I I largely make our game notes, and Joey Jones and I are communicate with the coaches on depth chart, which is you know every day in fall camp. Fans are basically when they ask how the team looks, they really just want to know a daily depth chart on some level. Correct. Um, so, but yeah, by the time you hear this, uh, Sean Clark will have announced Ryan Berker as the starting quarterback. Um, it was a really good camp competition with Joey Aguilar. Um, you know, I think I can say confidently that you know that those are both very capable players and they have some different strengths. And, you know, I think we've, it's been different. We haven't had many quarterback battles here at absolutely since I've been around where, I mean, normally it's a little bit more of a, a guy who's a little older than the other. And, you know, certainly how, how that kind of played. I mean, I guess the Tom, the Zach Thomas, um, Jacob Hughesman was the closest one to, Hey, this is kind of two guys on somewhat equal footing. And right. Um, so yeah, if, if Joey, I'm sure we will need him to do things during the course of the year. And I think he's more than capable and, you know, as a testament, you know, Jacob Hughesman is probably one of a handful of undefeated quarterbacks in college football history as a starter. Yeah. And yeah. obviously came in and helped in that Georgia state game. So, um, I think it's big to note that, um, you know, Ryan did, had a really good fall. So did Joey, um, you know, Ryan gets the nod, but that both guys, could could be needed and just to kind of stay engaged and you know certainly get most guys are more mobile and you hope that they all can stay healthy and we've been fortunate to have durable quarterbacks through the years I mean Zach ran a lot and maybe only he had that scare in the Georgia State game that, that we mentioned but uh you know maybe only just missed that one starting opportunity at Coastal so you know mm-hmm. we've seen running back depth matter and quarterback depth can matter as well <laughs> Yeah, 2018 when when Zach got hurt early in that uh, Georgia Southern game, uh, that was not a great night in Statesboro. The game right after App got ranked for the very first time in 2018, but Jacob Huseman comes right in, starts the Coastal Carolina game, and App gets a win down in down in Conway. And and like you mentioned, Jacob's comeback in the fourth quarter, leading the team down the field for the go ahead score in 2020 against Georgia state, uh, certainly a mark of, of his career. So yeah, it's, it's having to multi having depth at the quarterback position, very important. But, you know, when we talked to Frank Ponce uh, at the start of fall camp, I asked him in the media day show, you know, what is going to be the trait that ultimately is going to separate and determine who uh, ends up taking that first snap. And it really came down to decision-making and in watching Ryan and scrimmages and, and hearing some feedback from coaches, his decision-making um, was, was really good. And, you know, he never threw the ball in dangerous situations. He knew when to take off and run. He knew when to check it down. 
you know, if he threw in complete passes, it wasn't going to be in a spot where the defense was going to get an easy pick. And, and then the other thing was his escapability. That something that was really impressive to me in watching him during fall camp, even against blitzes from, from all different angles, his ability to move around, get away from pressure, extend plays and not have negative plays. Brett, I mean, you know, staying ahead of schedule and staying ahead of the change is so key to this offense. And I think Ryan Berger with his decision-making helps you avoid a lot of those negative plays, but he also has the capabilities with his arm and his feet to keep the ball moving forward. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what, what Ryan's able to do. And uh, yeah, he's going to be the guy taking that first snap against Gardner Webb. Some of the more other position battles that were kind of intriguing that, you know, I'll, I'll touch on a few, if you want to touch on a few, I mean, I sure. thought, Defensively, you know, certainly along the line, you know, there's a lot of new faces in the, you know, I think Sean Collins and Michael Fletcher that I think are in that top one and two. You know, it wouldn't surprise me Sean Collins being, you know, an opening day starter to where he's listed on the depth chart. But, you know, him and Mike Fletcher are kind of, you know, will get a lot of reps and have shown worthy of that in the fall with guys like even Kevin Abrams or Wayne has, has made some real strides um, this fall and um, on that front. And, you know, I think outside linebacker that that dog position i think you've got a lot of youngish guys that could really you know <laughs> we'll see how that all plays out i mean thomas davis came from miami and hasn't played a ton of football mm-hmm. from from there was injured some and you know donovan spellman was thrown in the fire as a true freshman and then nate johnson coming as a true freshman this year you know i think those are all capable guys you'll see a lot you know that bunch of oars on that spot there and um you know the the will spot inside linebacker. I just thought Kyle Arnhold made a lot of strides late in camp to to kind of cement uh, kind of some of his status there. And you know, I think Darrell Farrar's had some some really good reps and is a capable person there. But uh, right now, Arnhold's at the top top in that spot. Yeah, Farrar was was early on in camp and certainly at that first scrimmage, he was playing most of the snaps with the ones, but Arnhold is up there. And I, and I think that just speaks to Brett something that we've been talking about all through the month of August, which is how much quality depth the defense has. And, you know, whomever comes out with that first unit against Gardner Webb, we know that they have the ability to rotate and keep guys fresh, which is so key to maximizing that speed and effectiveness of the App State defense. You know, on the offensive side, we talked about quarterback. I really think the other position that was that was of note was was the exterior offensive line, the two tackle positions vacated by Cooper Hodges and, and Anderson Hardy. And, you know, it certainly looks like Markel Samuel, who is a converted defensive lineman. He looked, he either he or Jack Murphy, the Marshall transfer have the inside track at that left tackle position. Both of those guys have, have seen time with the first team during fall camp. So uh, we could see them rotate a little bit, uh, but maybe the edges with Markel Samuel overall, uh, but certainly Jack Murphy is just as capable in pushing him throughout fall camp. And then on the other side at right tackle, Jaden Ramsey, who was a high school recruit uh, for the Mountaineers, he has moved his way up the ladder. And now he's got his opportunity to potentially start as a redshirt sophomore at that right tackle position. But again, someone who was pushed by a transfer, Thornton Gentry out of NC State, um, he's somebody that uh, could just as easily come in there and if needed play with the first team at that right tackle position. You know, the interior of the line, pretty solidified Bucky Williams. 
uh, at the right guard, Isaiah Helms at center, Damian Daly in his sixth season as a redshirt senior with the Mountaineers at left guard. Uh, but you've got Griffin Scroggs, the Georgia transfer, has seen some some valuable snaps in camp. Caden Sweat, they're really high on him, the true freshman, uh, potentially backing up Helms at center. And then uh, Jaden Lindsey. Um, another guy who came in with Jaden Ramsey in that same class, uh, potentially backing up Bucky Williams at the right guard spot. Yeah, and when we talk about the transfer portal, I think it might be 14 scholarship transfers um, from that spot. And the offensive line was one of those big things and where, you know, right, like you said, the the two tackles, they're kind of kind of too deep at both those spots. All four of those guys have gotten first team reps for various, various timing, various reasons during camp. And, you know, between Murphy and, and Gentry, those are both – you know, transfers and Griffin Scroggs at a guard position. That's those are three impact um, FBS level transfers right there. And then, you know, we mentioned the defensive end. I mean, I think cornerback, you know, Ethan Johnson penciled in at one spot and, you know, Tyreek Funderburk has got certainly credentials and Jared Paul had, you know, really good moments in the fall and mm-hmm. kind of he's played safety and corner in his career. And um, he's a guy that's shown that, you know, you can put him on the field and he's he had a good battle at times on there. And so between that, I mean, I think the safeties have kind of shifted around. I mean, Nick, Nick Ross playing free and they kind of opened yeah. up the door for Jordan favors to have a really good, good falls always around the ball, you know, with some hard hitting and, you know, Ronald Clark's played a little, a lot of football. He's kind of slotting more into, into a strong safety now, which I think Scott Sloan maybe even thought maybe he had more, some linebacker tendencies, um, you know, kind of that first round evaluating some of that. So um, some, some familiar faces or new faces in the, in that part that maybe even are in different positions and then just kind of touching on special teams. I mean, I think it's, it's always good to have two capable long snappers, Christian Johnstone, you know, I think maybe people didn't even realize because you don't notice that position unless something goes wrong. He was, you know, three years really solid and missed the entire year, but Jake Mann came in and did really well, but Christian's healthier than ever and him back. And then I think it was a really good punting battle with Mitchell Lake and, and Connor Mater that guys have, have both had a lot of, a lot of good reps uh, this fall. Yeah. Special teams. And then certainly in the return game, uh, Milan Tucker, is is going to be your kick returner. He has shifted over to wide receiver. That's one of the things we we hadn't mentioned. Uh, they needed a, some additional depth at that slot position uh, behind Deshaun Davis. So and with so much talent and a pretty solidified spot at both corners on defense, Milan Tucker saw was is going to get an opportunity. I think to see the field and get more reps and and make more of an impact other than special teams by moving to that slot receiver position and then punt return. I think you could see either Caden Robinson or maybe even Makai. Jackson back there uh, returning punts this year. Yeah, I think Caden's probably your sure-handed be, be out there for security reasons. Not that he couldn't do more than that. Makai might have a little bit more higher ceiling on trying to you know make some plays happen in, in the return part of that, but um, definitely two options there. So that's a pretty rapid-fire depth chart look at. Him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, so so Brett, here's the thing that I was really looking forward to asking you on on this podcast. And big news last week was that App State is going to retire the number 14 in honor of Armani Edwards on the Saturday of the Georgia Southern game. And I want to ask you, as somebody who's inside the walls, inside those meeting rooms all the time, how did this go down? How did this eventually get get finalized and something that the fan base is super, super excited about? Yeah, I mean, I probably am a little bit more secondhand on some of that information, but I guess I'll just say it's not always, it's not as simple as it would seem, whether it's, you know, we our guest on this week's episode is Ryan Newsel, and he's talked about, like we talked with him off mic of just like, hey, like his ability to come back and see an app game and guys in professional football, like 
their schedules and trying to figure all that stuff out is more challenging than you would think. But to the bigger, the bigger point on here, I mean, Jersey retirements, they're coming with a lot of complications of, I mean, I deal with our equipment staff of, you've probably seen how often our roster number changes because there are what, roughly 120 players on a team. There are a hundred double numbers yeah. and all of that. You <laughs> yeah. have to go double numbers because there's so many players. So there's a real challenge. I mean, I think we've seen in person penalties of special teams teams having the guys with the same number on the field. And we've mm-hmm. seen guys slip on jerseys or change numbers. And, you know, I think number one is in the rotation. And it's not because Anderson Castle suddenly got an ego that thinks he's, you know, hot stuff to wear number one. There are, you know, like him and Andrew Parker wearing seven or both special teams contributors. And that doesn't work if they're on the same units. Yep. Um, so, you know, that there are things that go into the numbers on that front that just make it more complicated than, than, you know, it sounds kind of like lip service, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and this, this is also, you know, when, when we asked the question, I think I asked the question about, you know, Armani Edwards being nominated because you have to be nominated by the schools being nominated for the college football hall of fame. Well, you can't nominate someone until their playing career is over for the college football hall of fame. And that's not necessarily a rule the schools make the determination in terms of, you know, what, what's the criteria for retiring somebody's number. But at the same time, Armani had been playing for, for a while, you know, he was still playing, you know, he had, he had a little bit of a career in the NFL played in Canada for a while. And so, you know, it was only recent that he just kind of, you know, fully stepped away from, from football. And certainly like, I think the, both these things can be accurate that Armani Edwards is a no doubt, like, you know, Mount Rushmore of App State football, that if someone is worthy of having their jersey retired, like Armani Edwards, is it with all the conditions that we talked about and the challenges? And you can also say like Marcus Cox, who wore 14, had an incredible career. And, you know, you value and cherish the things he did for App State and it not have to be necessarily like I saw him congratulate on Armani on on his Instagram feed. That's great. Um, so just I know that's that's a sensitive part of the whole thing, too. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, when you have people and it takes some time. So on that front. But, um, yeah, certainly, I mean, I think, you know, the language that we have used on um, is the idea that, you know, this will be the last time. Um, let me let me let me find the release just so I don't say anything completely accurate the honoring of edwards number 14 is the last time app state plans to take a jersey number out of circulation and for those reasons we said limited inventory for the roster and current student athletes wearing 14 have the option to wear it for the remainder of their time at app state so currently we have two two players kanye roberts on offense a freshman linebacker Jaden Bethea on defense who have that um and there are plans for app state to honor and recognize alums who've made historic impact on the program and other ways moving forward so yeah you know i think there are plans to not take any more out because it creates problems i mean i can't promise in 2030 when i guess when chase let's see chase watts is setting record setting numbers <laughs> and then 2031 braxton clark comes in and yeah comes in and there we have back-to-back Heisman winners at app state and Jada Branch, our new athletic director, has determined like, all right, there's no way we can't retire. We have to retire these jerseys. <laughs> like administrations change, like times change. So, you know, the ideas under the current plan, but it's hard yeah. to ever predict the future because, yeah, like, uh, we, you know, yeah, just all those things of leadership and have different ideas and things like that. But that, that's the current structure on that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's important what you mentioned there toward the end of of reading that release, which is there are ways to honor players and and the contributions that they made beyond just retiring their number. And so, yes, there, that is something that unequivocally that athletics will continue to do um, even beyond, you know, 
admission into the athletics hall of fame. Um, there will be ways to do that. So, but yes, retiring a Jersey, I think the, the takeaway Brett is that, um, it, it's a lot more complicated than just saying, all right, it's time to retire his Jersey and then doing it. <laughs> and so thanks for, thanks for providing a little bit of that insight. You sell yourself short. You are, you are very much involved in some of the inner workings of athletics. Come on now, give yourself some credit. <laughs> Well, you gave me some homework, too, on this subject. I think um, someone asked you if they were bringing up the fact that, you know, Armani, you know, app would be winning by a lot in some games and he wouldn't play the the whole game. Like, what would it what would his numbers be like if he had not set out fourth quarters and all those things? Right. So, at, you know, Adam, whether it was a good use of Sunday time, I did some homework. <laughs> Ooh, OK. Yeah. So it. it very much similar to the statistic in baseball, which is K's per nine. Uh, so, you know, strikeouts, if you were to pitch nine innings, um, this is the the equivalent of that as a, I, I named it yards per 60 minutes. So yeah. <laughs> yards extrapolated, you take the total number of minutes that somebody played and you extrapolate that over how many minutes were in total of each game that they played in and, and then try to see how, how many more yards they could have had if they weren't sitting out during due, due to a blowout situation. So Brett, what'd you find? Well, Armani was 42 and seven as a starter. He played in 51 total games. The only non-starts were the NC state. And I think James Madison game to kind of start his career, Correct. Uh, begin his career. You know, I think I, by my count, it's very unofficial. He probably missed about 12 full games, whether that was, you know, full DMPs for injury, you know, blowouts where he didn't play the fourth fourth quarter or an entire half. So I tried to go through every game very quickly but and determined that's about 12 games. So that's maybe roughly 20 to 25 percent of you know, his career a little bit of what he, wow. his, his production was. So my very rudimentary math, and you could probably find errors in this was you could probably add about 2000 passing yards and maybe 15 touchdown passes, maybe add seven or 800 rushing yards or so that probably would have taken him over 5,000 and maybe Woo. 13 or more rushing touchdowns. Again, no one stays completely healthy and is a four-year starter with no breaks or whatever like that. But I mean, that's starting to put his, putting those numbers, you know, what, 12,000 passing yards, yeah. and over 5,000 rushing yards, stuff like that. If he, the, you know, the pure DMPs, I guess, does this sound right that he did not play against Western Carolina either of his final two years? Is that correct? Uh, I'd have to, I'd have to, con- that, I'd have to go check that. I don't that, know that off the top that, of my head. That struck me. It seemed like he, did, I don't think he played in either Western game his final two years. So may, may have been, you can check my homework. <laughs> yeah. Gearing up for the playoffs. Um, yeah. Cause the, the West, the game where that we popped 70 plus on Western, that was in 07. So that was not his last two years. That was his sophomore season. So yeah, I'll, I'll check. But he, here's the thing that of all those things that you just said, what stood out to me is, because of how good the teams were and how dominant they were when he was playing, he sat out the equivalent of 12 full games over his yeah. career. I mean, some of those were injury related, you know, I think maybe eight of them were full DMPs, but f- about four full games. If you add up like a quarter here, a half there, they kind oh of gosh. add up. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, 2008, I think there was like Jacksonville didn't play the fourth, mostly Presbyterian didn't play the fourth Wofford. I think that was at the 70, uh, was that the Halloween? That was the Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, Didn't play the fourth. Chattanooga mostly didn't play the, like, yeah, that was in 2008 they put some, put some numbers on some people. (laughs) Wow. Okay. One of these days I'm going to come up with just a, a random time consuming statistic for you to look up and you're not going to be able to do it, but I have not found that yet. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you reached out directly to me, so I thought I'd at least try. I did stop in the office on a Sunday to grab some old media guides. So, <laughs> uh, my, my one question to you, as we talk, we get to retirement talk. Did you ever have any number drama of, 
hey, I really wanted this number as a kid and somebody else took it or like I couldn't get this number for this reason. Did you have any any of those stories as a kid that really burned burned a memory in your have, have I have I told you the story of my freshman year basketball team? Uh, you've probably told some. I don't know if I know. So that related. that was that was the number drama okay. is that when I was a when I was a freshman in high school on the basketball team, they did not have I was so small. Okay. I was yeah. a very, very small kid in high school. They didn't have a jersey that fit me. Yeah. <laughs> and so they had to grab one from like the 80s and they just gave me whatever they could find that would fit me. So I ended up with 22. Three, three was my number. Shout out Darrington Evans. Three was my number in that that I was my favorite number going into high school. But I had no choice because the only jersey they could find was an old one from the 80s that had number 22 on it. So in the team picture, I'm wearing a completely different jersey than everybody else. Did you stick with 22 for the next couple of years? I mean, yeah, you... okay. I had to at that point. Yeah. My bro- my dad, I think, and my now, brother. I was, were... I was not good. I was not yeah. a star on the team. I wasn't good enough to be able to pick what number I wanted. I just, I basically took whatever was left. But still, it ended up just whatever would fit me. I mean, I was, I was tiny in high school. So I just got whatever would not be, you know, hanging down to my ankles when I put it on top. Well, my, my drama was, I think my dad and brother both wore 24 as a freshman. I couldn't get it, which was understandable, but as a sophomore, I thought, Hey, I would be able to get it now. And our, our coach, who was also a football coach decided to give our freshman who was a star running back the 24 over my ability to get it. So I I got, Mm. He, he jumped over a sophomore and gave freshman dibs on the number he wanted. So I had to stick with 20 and was ah. not happy about it at the time. So I had to stick with 20 the rest of my career, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Brett confirmed that Armani did not play in the either the 2008 or 2009 Western Carolina games. DeAndre Presley started the 08 game and Travaris Cadet, who had a nice career with your Saints, um, started in the uh, 2009 game. Yeah, that was just kind of a random. Yeah, as time goes on, he only got to play Western twice in his career. Yeah, I assume he only had to play Western twice in his career. So Yeah, uh, 06 and 07. Well, Adam, you want to jump to our um, interview and then we Let's can do it. wrap it up? We've got yeah. uh, Ryan Newsel, offensive lineman for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, obviously a very good player at App and has carved out a nice spot um, in the pro ranks. And you may or may not have seen um, a little bit of a celebrity in the last couple of weeks with, with a very cool mic'd up. That was, um, you know, offensive linemen don't always get all the attention and shine, but it was cool to see, you know, his personality come out in that a little bit. So, Adam, let's jump into our conversation with Ryan Newsel. Looks like the NFL preseason is in our rearview mirror now. And so college football is getting ready to start. App and Gardner-Webb coming up on Saturday. And the NFL season will get started the week after that. And, Brett, I think it's safe to say that the guy who's made the most noise, had the most headlines in a good way, this preseason has been Ryan Newsel from the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I always enjoy talking to Ryan because he and I are both from Bradenton, Florida. So we're not going to necessarily get into that and just bore people with uh, Bradenton locations and where we grew up and stuff like that. But um, it is fun to talk to him uh, knowing that uh, we we share something in common there. That's about the only thing we share in common because he's a very accomplished athlete and I'm the exact opposite. Uh, But Ryan... Tell us about what this experience has been like in the preseason. You, you've had uh, you've had quite the run here, and and had some uh, some really good press over the last couple of weeks. So, what's it been like for you? Yeah, it's been um, it's been really good. I mean, got a lot of reps in preseason, upwards of probably about ninety snaps. So it was really good. Starting out like uh, week one, we went and played Miami down in Miami. Joint practices went well down there, and uh, played the first half at center. 
and then came out in the second half, uh, went to a little left guard there, finished the third quarter there. So it was good just to get a bunch of those reps. And then the same thing happened in the next week versus the Bengals. I mean, anytime because, I mean, I've been like a backup in the league. So preseason really just getting those live game reps is is really valuable and just honing in on our skills and assignments and just getting the speed of the game and everything going. It's really valuable. And, you know, Adam, you kind of touched on it, you know, Ryan is his third year in the league, finished up at App State in the fall of 2020 and um, has been with the Falcons. Uh, certainly we can, there's things we can dive into with your relationship with Coach Ledford. And I know you got to play with Colby last year, um, just some of those connections. But when Adam said made some noise beyond, obviously you've played well on the field. I think a lot of people got to see your mic'd up uh, version <laughs> with the Falcons. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should go see it. It's it's long, but it's the whole thing is worthwhile and entertaining. Um, Ryan, was that, I guess, first off, how did that get broached with you? Is that, was that something you felt comfortable right off the bat with and just kind of how did that come together? Yeah. So we were in, um, we were in Miami for joint practices. We spend the week down there and we were just in, um, like offensive meetings. We were just meeting with the O-line and the head coach came in and he's like, Noozle, you're getting mic'd up on, uh, for the game. And I was like, you're joking. Like I thought he was joking at first and he was like, no, seriously, we're going to, we're going to mic you up. And I still thought he was joking. And then um, one of like the video guys came over like later that week, he was like, Hey, like you're all good. Like getting mic'd up. And I was like, if it's real, it's a real thing, but I can't <laughs> promise too much content, but it actually came out, came out really well. And it was, uh, it was really nice too. Cause I was the game captain for that game. Was Jake Strude the one that mic'd you up? Did he have a role in that? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. does. That's great. That's that's an App State connection. People that know the name Jake Strute, he was, uh, look, App's got a long line of amazing video people that have come through those football offices. Jake Strute was probably the first uh, first one that really started that that excellence back in uh, back in the days when I was in school. And now he's with the with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Ryan, how close was what ended up getting put into the finished product? when the things that we're hearing you talk about, the best line of that was false start on the guy throwing up, by the way. <laughs> um, but how close was that to the real Ryan Newsel on the sideline? How much of that did you actually have to filter know that you, knowing that you were mic'd up? No, I mean, it was, it was pretty genuine. I wasn't, I wasn't really in the game worrying about uh, what to say or what to, what to not say. It was pretty much, I'm sure they filtered it a little bit throughout the, uh, footage but it was it was pretty genuine just random snippets of you have no idea why i'm saying this but it just <laughs> sounded funny at the time so that was pretty good and then it was it was a good game for us so that always makes it better it's always good when teammates know that like i appreciate the the teammate who it's almost like when you if you could grab the mic at a grocery store and say price check on something embarrassing to come up and <laughs> and, and do that pull that one on you so maybe that maybe that's not your favorite moment but um you mentioned some of the connections last year and i kind of touched on you know you got to play with colby last year colby gossett and app state alum Dwayne ledford coached here i guess he probably wasn't – I don't think he was here when you arrived on campus. I don't know if there was any chance he would have recruit, been involved in recruiting you at all. No, he always said – he still brings it up now. He's like he was responsible for recruiting me to App State. But at the time, I don't – I've never talked to him or anything. Okay. So he, he likes to take credit for that. The first <laughs> time, actually, I met Ledford was um, 
we went to a Louisville Wake Forest game in 2019. And me, like Victor Johnson, we drove down there and actually saw the game. And they all, like the old coaching staff was sat, Mike and all of them, like came up to us and said hi to us. And that was the first time I actually met Led. And then, yeah, playing with Colby the past two years was actually really nice. Having a familiar face, especially my first year, it was really good. Was there anything about the learning curve? I mean, you didn't play for him or anything like that, but you know, I know a lot of people joke that App State runs two plays, inside zone, outside zone, and that was the experience you kind of took with you to the league. Was there some familiarity in kind of his teaching, whether it's terminology or style, that you know made that transition easier or made for a good fit? Yeah, so terminology and style was pretty much like on par, being the same thing carried over, just – I mean, speed, toughness, finish, outside zone, like wide zone, tight zone, everything like that. But um, there is a huge learning curve. I mean, there's just a lot more to think about. And especially like moving to center, it's just all on you and you have to set the table for everybody and know all the looks and everything. There was a little bit of a learning curve with that, but definitely settling in now. Yeah, and people will recall recall that when you first came to campus, you you started out at center, and then eventually made the move um, to left guard. And and wondering if you could kind of take us through that shift at App, and then how how natural was it, I guess, to make that shift now in the NFL, where center seems to be the position that you're you're going to be uh, locked into for this year. Yeah, so uh, you know, high school was tight end, D end um punter too you were a punter too right yeah some punting as well just a little (laughs) bit of everything and then um going to app like I knew I was gonna be an interior offensive lineman started out at center um you know it didn't it didn't really feel well I guess like starting purely at center at first was kind of felt off to me in some ways so it never really felt too comfortable and then when I was able to get in a groove starting at left guard um, 2017, my redshirt freshman year. That was actually, I think, a better fit for me at the time. And then I ended up playing four years there at left guard. And then when I went to Atlanta, I started same thing at left guard, really both guards. And then midway through the actual season in practices, I started doing like a transition to center. So I started playing center and guard towards the end of like my rookie year and then summer my second year when we got into OTAs that was when I made like the full transition to center and it's been it's been really good for me it's been a lot more natural than when I first started back in 2016 and now I feel like really confident at center well, this is this will be a very nerdy question that my memory of 2017 the fall was that you and Noah kind of you had different methods of how you snapped like I think Noah had like this cone method you had like more of a traditional explain to me like is that a big deal does that actually still exist is that an outdated philosophy or <laughs> how do you snap the ball now I think that was pretty unique to App State was the cone it was like the dead okay. wrist like hold it <laughs> firm instead of the normal thing but I don't know every I've noticed that there's a lot of centers around the league that have their own thing. Um, when we were playing the Dolphins, that guy had it like literally lateral and was sit- snapping it back, which was very weird to see. But yeah, now it's just traditional, nothing fancy to it. 
So we're recording this on a Sunday night. Like I mentioned at the top, preseason games are over and teams have until Tuesday, I believe it's at four o'clock Eastern to have their rosters cut down to, to 53. So Ryan, you were an undrafted free agent, uh, one of a, a handful of success stories from app that have made NFL rosters as an undrafted free agent. And now you continue to ascend the depth chart with Atlanta. Uh, I'll ask you this question first, and then I've got another one after that that, that kind of ties into it. But first, how are you feeling about um, how how solid you are within the 53-man roster with the Falcons? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good this year. Um, you know, I was just able just to put in a really good training camp and really good film and preseason. And I think I was able just to establish a little more trust with, like, coaches and me, just uh, if anything, like, happened being the – backup guy just being able to step in and hopefully not miss a beat in the offense and just getting the trust within the staff and then just being able to show what I have. But I feel really good this year. And then the follow-up question is what are these next 48 hours going to be like for guys who are trying to make that roster, trying to make that last 53 man. I mean, we saw Darrington Evans put on a show in the last preseason game, but you know, he's, he's kind of on that roster bubble with the bills, Sean Jolly with the Rams. There's a few other examples out there, but what's this next 48 hours going to be like for guys who are hoping to make that last active roster? Yeah. So, I mean, every, every organization does it different tomorrow. We actually have a practice down in Atlanta in the stadium at 6 30 PM. So that, that'll be like the last practice. Then we'll come back here. And then um, I'm sure in the morning they'll start with roster cutdowns. We haven't really been cutting the roster at all. We only released, I think, four guys. So Tuesday will be when that happens. And then that's pretty much, um, if you're still around, just like kind of like an off day run. Mm-hmm. Just start getting the body back. And then we have practice and meetings Wednesday, Thursday, and then it's kind of like a mini bye week just to reset and get the body right before starting the season week one. What's it like mentally for, for someone who could be wondering if they're going to be making that last cut? I mean, it's, it's really tough. Like I was on, I was really on the bubble either way, like my first two years and I've never really been somebody that has anxiety or worries too much about stuff I can't control but I will say like the first especially the first year the last couple days of the preseason before roster cutdowns happened I wasn't sleeping much definitely did get to me and then last year even a little bit but this year I feel pretty good and I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be nearly the same feeling I mean, this is connected to what Adam just asked, but you know, I think we've got 19 guys that have at least been in camp at some point in this month. And, you know, certainly your story, it's there's a lot of highs and lows, and it's not always a straight path to the success that you want. And, you know, I know you've gone through some adversity of your own, and we're gonna have guys that, you know, maybe they don't make it the first time and have to keep plugging away and we'll get a second or third chance, or you know, it's all different paths for different people. What have you learned through that process? Because it's not easy and it's not guaranteed of just kind of the persistence and the things it takes to kind of keep following your dream when it's not super easy like that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely not a straightforward path. Like you get selected as a undrafted free agent. I mean, they say like you have a three year, whatever million dollar contract, but nothing guaranteed. You're really just fighting for that spot. The first year, like my first year I was on practice squad. And I mean, honestly, like my job was giving, 
giving all the looks. I mean, every time the starters went up, even like the active second guys, like I was the one giving the defensive looks, like holding the bags, just stuff like that. I mean, it does go a long way, just, but everyone has to do their part. And that first year, that was my part basically is just giving all the defensive looks. And just to follow up on that a little bit, then when you finally, you know, you make your NFL debut, debut, I think maybe it was a special teams kind of opportunity at first before, you know, maybe offensive snaps. Can you even just put into words the satisfaction that comes when through the war, the work of, you know, often on rosters, practice squad, getting elevated to, to finally get that opportunity, what that's like? Yeah, I mean, uh, middle of last year, I want to say is week eight or nine, um, becoming elevated was it was really cool being able to finally dress on Sunday being able to be out there and I I was just a field goal guy but it still it still is unreal this episode is getting released week one app state at home against Gardner Webb what's this week like for college football players to to lead up to this very first game after going through those hard summer workouts and fall camp and everything like that it's almost a relief, especially in college. Like, there's no games, no anything. It's just you guys fighting each other for four weeks. <laughs> that's always – that's all. I mean, it's the worst, but it's also the best. It's fun just being able just to be together, hitting each other. It does suck. Um, that's for sure. But finally being able to put on a uniform, put all that hard work in there, and, I mean, hit somebody else for a change, that's always a big relief. Now that maybe the statute of limitations is gone, I mean, certainly you worked closely with Coach Clark, who, you know, is transitioned to the head coach during your career. Of, I think he he loves a little training camp scrap, but he also, as the head coach, doesn't want wasted time and can't like it maybe as much as he did as a position coach. Were you involved in any that you can remember that won't get anybody trouble three years or four years later or any, any memorable scraps? Yeah, I mean, of course there's always some. Like, tensions are high. People are just trying to – get the best out of everyone. Everyone's tired as well. There's always some scraps. I I will say there's the difference between the pointless fighting and then the fights that were like two guys are really just going hard and going at it. Like there's usually a big difference, but usually the big fights happen when it's just two people going in and then somebody hits somebody else in the back. Like somebody runs in and then it just turns into a big brawl. And those, you you don't even know who's swinging. Yeah, I'm I'm looking up to see when we might see you at an app game. Do do you have anything circled yet when you might be able to make it whether it's in Boone? I haven't looked to see whether the Falcons are in town when we come down to Georgia State later this season or not. Uh, not right now. That's one been one of my I guess worst things. I have not been I was able to make it to the UNC game last year, which I was mm-hmm. really happy about and being able to see everybody. But I've not been back to app nearly as much as I've wanted to. November 11th is the game at Georgia State, and uh, you guys are on the road. You're at Arizona, so you're not even close by. <laughs> I don't know what our bye week is. Your bye week is right after that, which is oh. – that would be the JMU game, but that's on the road. So maybe we'll, – who knows? Maybe we'll see up in Harrisonburg. <laughs> um, Never matches up well. Yeah. Well, Ryan, let, let's let's close out with, with this. Let's close out with um, – tell us about the uh, the the – your your kind of prognostication of of the Falcons and and what they might be able to accomplish this year. You're such a big part of this team this year, and uh, love to know what you think uh, their chances are in that NFC South. Yeah, I think um, I mean this year we're looking 
We're looking really good. I mean, we just have just a bunch of pieces and just a bunch of weapons, guys everywhere, like the offensive line. Last year, finished third in rushing. Have um, four of the five same guys up there. And uh, new left guard, Bergeron, who's looking really good. And I think it's just it's just going to be what we're limited to ourselves. Like, it's going to be us that decides how far we can go. I will say I think this is a great year for us. And I think it's it's really going to be surprising to some people. But I think internally in the building, like, we know what we're capable of. And it's going to be really good. Ryan, the last one from me. I mean, we kind of mentioned Colby, and I think there are five guys that have been going through with NFL teams. This, you know, I think, you know, Cooper was drafted by the Jaguars. Anderson Hardy picked up by the Chiefs. There's you, Colby, Kendall Lamb, a veteran uh, that you may or may not have got to see during that that Miami game. What is it? You know, a few of those guys are drafted, several of them not. What is it about the App State? kind of mentality and DNA that has allowed, you know, five guys to have chances like this. And you're here entering your third year to, you know, that maybe gets overlooked on a draft day or stuff like that, that has shown your guys ability to, to succeed at the professional level. I mean, I just think of the before technique, skill, anything, it's literally just the toughness, the finish, the speed. Like I will say, especially in like app state alignment, we were, so fast running it sounds bad running like side to side but just going like wide zone tight zone and then just the finish of people and how tough we are just relentlessly like hitting them hitting them hitting them people get really tired of it and just the general o-line play you see a lot of people just walking around after the play or like middle of the play like they make their block and just start walking app state you tend to see guys chasing the ball running down the ball. If there's a big pile up, like 15 yards down the field, Cooper, I've seen fly over the pile <laughs> multiple times, spearing some poor DB. <laughs> it's just that extra level of just, just once and just finish that I think is like pretty appealing. And even if it's missed sometimes, like when you see them play, it definitely shows. Well, Ryan, thanks for the time, man. It's been awesome to see how much you've progressed this preseason. I might go back and watch the video of you mic'd up again before the night is over. So seriously, if you haven't watched it yet, it's amazing. It's got tens of thousands of views already on the Falcons YouTube channel. So uh, good luck, man. We'll be, uh, we'll be pulling for you all season long. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right, Adam, that was our chat with Ryan. It was good to catch up with him. Um, you know, some of our off mic chat was as interesting. Like he's really interested in like the current state of app football mm-hmm. and like other guys in the league that he's been with. It was it was cool to just kind of catch up and even maybe even update on him on some things that he doesn't get to see on a daily basis like we do. Yeah, that was great. We don't get a chance to to visit with our guests that much other than the conversations, but we got to spend as much time with Ryan just catching up on the team, mostly this year's team, because he's so interested in how things are going um, and then learning more about his his you know situation and what the year is going to be like for him. But we spent about as much time off Mike as we did on Mike. That was a lot of fun talking to him. And 
Um, man, I'm, I'm certainly hoping for the best for some of these guys that are facing these last cuts. Um, I hope Darrington Evans did enough with the bills. I hope Sean Jolly did enough with the Rams, you know, DeMarco Jackson, um, Nick Hampton, they seem to be pretty solid in their spots. Nick Hampton got a lot of snaps on defense in their last preseason game, but you know, Jalen Virgil had a tough injury on a, a, an amazing play where, you know, we're putting out the video of it because he, he looked like the Jalen Virgil we were used to seeing on the field in Boone. And uh, unfortunately he got hurt on that play and and had a pretty significant knee injury. Cooper Hodges um, had an injury um, late in the preseason for, for Jacksonville, their seventh round pick. So, you know, I'm just, I'm hoping for good things from these guys. Um, and, uh, but it is good to see a success story like Ryan Newsel, who has really solidified himself as a key contributor on that offensive line with the Falcons. Yeah, hopefully in a couple of weeks, maybe some of the things he had talked about is, hey, if we can bring him back, that would be awesome if the, that all plays itself out. But certainly we've got the home opener, season opener, September 2nd, Gardner-Webb. Um, the Hall of Fame is that Friday night before that. We've mentioned that class before. And just want to give a quick shout out as we kind of hit hit a full speed with these fall sports, Adam. I mean, soccer's 2-1-1. One, and one, and you know, I think through, what, four matches, I think, Kerry Eagleston's given up one goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's a three nothing win against George Mason, a two nothing win against UT Martin, and then played a scoreless tie with high points. So, certainly they've been doing well. Stephanie Barbosa and Izzy Wood have combined for five goals. So, they're off to a good start. Um, another quick shout out to volleyball, 3 and 0 over the weekend with a, you know, a trio of sweeps, um, whether it's William and Mary, Bellarmine, and Tennessee's t- Tennessee Tech. So, probably a lot of high quality back setting, is my guess, uh, over at the home mm-hmm. center, Adam. Yep. Um, yep. That's what Sarah Romley Noble taught us about when we first <laughs> talked to her after she got hired uh, field hockey 2-0 and congrats to emily dinsmore and that crew her first two wins mm-hmm. you know 3-1 over towson 4-1 over georgetown so you know fall sports sports off to a good start i know cross country will host a home meet the kind of the fire tower project runs on friday and you know some various different things that you know as football you know captivates a lot of boom there's a lot of other cool things going on yeah friday night field hockey will be their first home game uh the night before the uh the football game on saturday so if you're in town for the weekend uh, go check them out at, at Adcock Field and go see the 2-0 and App State field hockey team. Uh, nice job with the, uh, the the cooler bath um, with for Emily Dinsmore after getting her first win as well. That was uh, I saw the video of that. That was that was well accomplished by the field hockey team. So go check them out for their first home game on Friday night before uh, football on Saturday. Yeah, not easy to do with some of those goalkeeper pads either, either to, <laughs> to be mobile mm-hmm. enough to carry the Gatorade cooler. <laughs> Um, well, Adam, we can wrap up now. I know we've we've covered a lot of ground. Um, just any parting thoughts before we kind of get into this game week? Uh, I desperately need some Benadryl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm for better not, or not not a sponsor <laughs> of the podcast, but maybe it will be if I feel good in the morning. Who knows? All right. Well, if, if you're <laughs> if you're going to be struggling, let's update that broadcaster depth chart. So, Brandon, if you're listening, don't worry. I think Adam's in okay shape, but it might. <laughs> I don't know. I might be. I might be day to day. I might be day to day. We'll see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully waking up um, and <laughs> in, in in good shape. At least, at least you know it's it's localized to like my arm, my ear, and uh, my left middle finger. So nothing to do with uh, with the voice. Thank you for listening to this episode. Excited <laughs> to touch on a lot of subjects that aren't just us complaining about getting old and having pain. So um, <laughs> for that, that's a wrap on this week's edition of the Nothing But an App State podcast. Don't sleep on the doubles point. Nothing but an app state.